Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhard. Yes, this is episode 17. 17. It's been way too long since we left last talk to you all. I am Bill Kornfeld, sitting across from me, a man who does not need to explain his horrible chest tattoo, Scott Weinhardt. How's it going? Chest tattoo? What kind of chest you, tattoo do I have? <laughs> you didn't read the story about Jose Altuve and his uh, new latest excuse for why uh, he didn't want his jersey ripped off in the 2019 ALCS? No, no, I did not read that at all. He said he had his some uh, one of his teammates said he didn't want to ripped off because he was doing a he was in the process of getting a new chest piece, a new chest tattoo, and it was a horrible, horrible tattoo. So he didn't want anyone to see it. Okay, so why would you even put a horrible tattoo on your chest anyway? It doesn't even make any sense. It, it doesn't. It really doesn't. So you're a professional baseball player, and you <laughs> end up getting on like the the ESPN body issue. What's it going to be? NC seventeen? Like, oh, kids can't buy this. He's got something terrible on his chest. Come on, people have more common sense than that. They cheated, cheated. Yeah. But we're not a baseball podcast. Hundred percent cheated. But we are a Flyers podcast, a hockey podcast. At foremost, first and foremost. Uh, Flyers went three and three after a what is only described as a brutal schedule. Uh, they went against Washington, hottest team in hockey right now in Tampa Bay, and then they also played some of the low lights in the New Jersey Devils, and they came up short. Uh, ultimately, like I said, they came up come up three and three out of six games. I just I I think this is exactly what you kind of expected from this team, and they went exactly three and three, fifty percent point rate. What'd you take away from it? Well, what I took out of it was a couple of things. First of all, I don't think people should be getting up in arms about the fact that they went 3-3 three and three this week. They kept pace. I was expecting a bit more because it was a week where they really should have got points from the Islanders game. I mean, they were down 3 nothing that game when they battled back. That's That said a lot to me. They were down 4-1 to one against Tampa, and they came so close to tying that game as well. Um, and that was in the third. They battled back late in that one. I'm I'm not as torn about it. They're seven three and one in their last eleven overall. That's good. They dropped a couple tight ones. They did. Everybody wanted to focus on the New Jersey loss last week. Look, you're gonna drop games like that. You can give this team a mulligan. They've been playing well enough. They're they're one point ahead of Carolina in the wild card and one point behind Columbus, who they play twice this week. So that's huge. And as we talked right before we came on the air here, the Islanders lost. So, you know, the, while the Islanders have a game in hand, the Flyers are only one point back there. So if they go and they do well this week, they can hop in the third in the Metro. And that would be that would be one of the best case scenarios that they can get to. Because at this point, 
They're seven points out of from Pittsburgh, who's got 78 points, and one and, and eight points behind Washington at 79. They're probably not catching them, so they're not getting a 2-1 or 2 seed, but the opportunity to get the third is wide open. Yeah, and I, and I talked about this earlier. I think their best matchups come with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins. And Boston and, and Washington have been kind of going back and forth on who has the better. Well, really, Boston has really started to clear uh, Washington. I believe they're at 86 points. Yeah, they're at 86 points right now. And prior to that, they were kind of going back and forth. But if they – and ironically, they would have to be the, the two wild card. But at this point, they need to get as many – wins as possible i know that sounds cliche because it's obvious but they need to get these this confidence going and i have a feeling because of their theory with or their their expectation of nolan patrick today he he practiced again with the team um something tells me chuck fletcher and elaine vigneault are banking on patrick to come back into the roster to add some scoring to this team rather than make a move at the trade deadline, which will be our next podcast uh, recapping anything that happened on the trade deadline. I think that's if that's the case they're thinking of and they're banking on Nolan Patrick to come back and make the big impact on this team, will he change things strategically? Absolutely. But can we look at the bigger picture here? I, I would encourage people not to look at this as fans and look at this from a wider spectrum, and here's why. Nolan Patrick is not going to come back and be the Lord and Savior of this team. If you are banking on a 21-year-old kid not named Carter Hart coming in and being the staple of, oh, the Flyers don't have to go make a move now, you are not looking at this properly. I'm not going to insult you and call you an idiot or a moron because you're not. And I think because it's fair enough to think, okay, adding him is going to add something. You're right. It's going to add a little more depth up the middle. So he'll be able to get some minutes. But he hasn't played all season. You can't expect this kid to come in here who has not reached his potential yet by any means or even come close to it, has shown it in flashes, and you're expecting not to have to make a move at a deadline? I'm, I'm not getting the concept of why, yes, I know it'll help the team, but there might be some pieces out there that might be able to have more of an immediate impact than Nolan Patrick will. Yeah, I I don't disagree, uh, especially because, like I said, between now and our next podcast is the trade deadline. And as AV has already said, when the time comes where Patrick is going to play, he's going to Lehigh first. So they're banking on in seven days seven days from today that um that nolan is going to be down in lehigh produce at an effective level at the lehigh ahl level and then get the call up by the weekend against winnipeg when there's only three games this week it's a tall order to ask of not only just a 21 year old but any 21 year or any nhl player but here's the thing that i think that you're gonna get out of nolan patrick you could you solidify uh, Claude Giroux on the wing. Immediately, as soon as Claude Giroux was put back on the wing uh, over this past week, he ended his 13-game thir- game goal drought, and now he's on a hot, little bit of a hot streak here. So I think it's effectively most important, not just because Nolan Patrick is back in the lineup, but because it, then it solidifies Claude Giroux in his new natural position of the wing. Maybe, and especially because Nolan Patrick has not scored any more than 13 goals in his first two seasons. And that's over, obviously, an 82 game schedule. So you're not going to get 13 goals out of him in, let's say, there's so there's 23 games left in the season as of tonight. Like, 
in those 23 games, you'll be lucky to get maybe seven, maybe 10, based on his current, like, his trajectory. Like, that is the end-all, be-all, the best-case scenario, unless he comes in and just lights the house on fire. Then that's not going to happen. No, it's not. It's not going to happen, and I completely agree. So I think this is more of Fletcher and A.V. just looking at the scenario, because they've said, effectively, this is already a playoff roster, which is bold in itself to say throughout this year, because, you're one, yes, you're a playoff team right now, but you're a fringe playoff team because of, and it's no fault to your own, it's because of how competitive the Metropolitan is. So to say that you're not going to make a move or my theory of they're not going to make a move because they're banking on Nolan Patrick to come back is both strategically understandable, but at the same time, super, super risky and made in a huge roll of the dice that's probably not going to pay off in the long run. And here's two things. First of all, you got to think when he's in game shape. It doesn't matter if you're in physical shape or not. There's game shape, okay? Mm-hmm. If he's got to go down and play a couple games in the A, it's going to be a couple games before he gets in good enough condition to play even in a game. And then you're talking about the difference between the AHL and the NHL. Then you're talking also a major difference in speed and game shape. So chances are he would not be in game shape till the middle of March. So if he does, if he starts this week before March – He's not going to be ready to play at the NHL level consistently until about the middle of March. And then you're talking about the tightest kind of checking you're going to see all year up until the playoff rounds. It, it, I, I don't see a whole lot of it. Now, the, the flip side to this, the flip side to this, this could actually be a pretty good play by Vigneault and Fletcher. Because right now, what's happening around the league? We saw a couple trades yesterday. Blake Coleman got traded. Um, for somebody else, the Devils made another move. So trading season is wide open. Problem is, though, is that there are a lot of GMs trying to get the most out of they can for an asset. You ever go buy a car? You ever go buy a car? You walk up to the guy. Oh, the the sticker says this. Eh, We can't really budge off that. But guess what? When it's the last day of the month and that guy hasn't sold that car, guess what? He's on the phone with you saying, hey, I'll give it to you a couple grand cheaper. And guess what? You're buying a car that day. Same thing happens in the NHL. Same exact concept. Strategically, I see how it fit in by adding Patrick. Absolutely. But. They're, they're right when they say this team is constructed as a playoff team. They are. Um, you know, it, it's crazy because I'm going to catch hell from this from so many people. Bring it on. And, I, and, and prove me wrong. Why not? I believe the way this team is constructed now, if the chips fall in the right place, they could go on a run. The way it's constructed right now. And, and you're going to think I'm crazy, but I do. I've seen enough character out of this team. The way they went down to the Islanders, they didn't give up. They battled back. Playing against a speed team against Tampa, they got damned. A couple times I was watching that game, and it was driving me nuts how they just let the F3 wide open, and they, the F3 scored two goals in that game. F3 third forward, you know, from our four, from our four check video. Yeah, and if, if you if, if you are our first-time listener to our podcast, our, four che- or our Chalk Talk series on the four check is at the top of our Facebook page, Orange and back check. You find it right there. Like the page while you're at it. You'll get all our videos. Scott told me that the goalie one is just about done. The script is done, so we'll lay down the track on that. Right at the top of the page is that video. You'll see that the F3 is the third four checker, and the Flyers gave up two goals against the third four checker against the Tampa game. Take that out, and they take out the bad angle goal against that Carter Hart had when he came out the post a little early, that first one by Ox Kalorn. Guess what? They win that game. The, the thing is, I'm seeing enough 
character out of this team where if the chips fall right, they can go on a run. They, they, they really can. I honestly believe it. Now, also, 600 players in the NHL also believe that they can go on a run as well. So I'm not out of the question here. But looking at this team and what Vigneault has been able to get out of them and keep them and bounce them back after these tough losses, this team has the character to be able to get it done. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I think, it, like, the NHL is the quote-unquote and don't take this the wrong way, the NHL is the easiest sport where you can make a run and win the Stanley Cup. Once you're in the playoffs, you can make that run. The problem that I see out of this team, and they have to cut, there's two factors that are going to determine for me how far they can really go. Now, when you say playoff run, are you talking just a playoff series win, an Eastern Conference Finals appearance, or going all the way just to make an appearance in the Stanley Cup Finals. Where do you see that when you say playoff run? I've seen it enough character-wise. And look, it, am I an NHL coach? No. Have I coached hockey? Yes. Can you can you get the pulse of your team? Yes. By watching this team, you can kind of get a pulse of them. This is the type of team that you don't want to face in the playoffs because they don't back down. They battle late. In a seven-game series against Tampa, they beat them. Guaranteed. A guaranteed beat them in seven games. Tampa is a speed team. If you play a team like Tampa over the course of seven games, you're going to wear down their defense, okay? You're going to get enough structure in place and play enough zone and play enough positionally where you're going to know the tendencies, so you're going to be able to shut them down. The Flyers don't have enough speed to keep up with them in a regular game for the most part. That's why they've dropped a couple of them this year. But over the course of seven games, they beat them. The point is that I've seen enough out of this team, meaning that they're able to battle back when they when they lose a game, whether they're blown out or they lose by one, they bounce back. I haven't seen this team lose back to back in over a month. So, you know, not going what it doesn't happen this week, but they haven't lost back to back games since that Western Road swing back at the end of the last calendar year into earlier this year. That's the last time they lost back to back games. So, they're playing consistent hockey right now. They're going to drop some games. They might win two and then lose one. Might win three and then lose one. That's going to happen. That's the NHL. The point is, I'm seeing enough being able to bounce back and Vigneault getting enough out of these guys to show in and show up every night. But with that being said, I go back to your Nolan Patrick point. I think a lot of these teams right now are starting to feel things out. Fletcher and Vigneault are probably like, yeah, we're getting Nolan, we're getting Nolan back. We don't need to go get anybody. That way, at the last second, if they can get somebody, they probably get him as a steal because they're not desperate. So that's actually kind of not – they're playing a little poker right here, and I love that. But – the only thing I will say is that while I think they have the character and the build to make a run, and defining a run meaning go to the Stanley Cup final, at least get there. I, 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 I Don't call me nuts because I've seen this team do enough in the regular season to be able to get there, but I don't think they have the weapons to be able to do it as of yet. They are missing a piece, and if you get the right piece in place, I think they can do it. Yeah, and that goes to my point of – they need two things to be solved or show up for, well, I guess it would be three things because I agree with you on the offensive. In addition to that, they need to cut down this crappy first period play. Over the last couple of weeks, this this I get, I, I know it, it it's just a theme that I feel we have seen for almost a decade now 
in the Flyers where they just they they sit back on their heels and are not fully come to prepare, fully come to play night in and night out in that first period. Now AV has gotten something out of this locker room. Bar no question about it. He has gotten something out of these veterans, out of these young guys that Dave Haxtall had no chance of getting out of. But the point remains that they continue to go these first period slumps and then they get down. Like if they had played the same way, not even what you were talking about with if Carter Hart hugs that post a little bit harder in the Tampa game, if they just play the same level of intensity that they did in the second and third periods for 15 minutes, just 15 minutes in that first period, they probably come away with at least one point in that game. But the other thing that needs to happen, the second thing, Carter Hart is the dead stop of where this team goes. And I know that's a I've said that before, but it is no question to me now that he is back from his abdominal injury, like he is so important to this franchise at the young age of 21. It's actually almost unfair to put on his shoulders, but I think that's where we are right now. And that's not a bad thing because that you can finally say you have a goalie that you can lean on for this because as you'll get into, I'm sure, in your chalk talk, Brian Elliott is a solidified backup goalie at this point. Carter Hart is the starter. You're, uh, but, like, I just think if they cut down these first period slow starts and Carter Hart comes up to show for night in and night out, they can honestly make a run. I agree with you. Do I think it will happen? No, I think they have a chance of maybe winning one series if the matchup gets right because they have a chance of playing Boston, Pittsburgh, or Washington if the, at, at the current moment. There's a couple of teams that I think they have a better chance at. I'm not ready to say that they can compete with the Tampa Bay, but at the same time, maybe they can because Tampa Bay completely fell on its face last, last April. So maybe they do it again. It's just something that I don't, I'm not 100% in on yet, but I don't, I do see your point. I don't blame you for not being in. I don't blame a lot of people for not being in. I don't people, you know, this team has done nothing the past seven years. So I don't blame you whatsoever for not buying in. However, it's little things that you need to watch, not big things. It's little things you might notice here and there. Some other guys picking up the slack when the big guys aren't scoring. Konechny's been kind of cold lately, but yet again, your boy Tyler Pitlick had a snipe the other night. So yep. th there are other guys contributing. And as I've been saying all season long, the most important guys in the playoffs are your bottom six. You need your bottom six forwards to produce because they're the ones who are going to get those late game goals and those ones that are like, wow, that guy scored. You needed that because their top guys aren't going to get a lot of room. My point is this, though, to go back. I believe this team has the character to be able to go on a run if the chips fall right. If they play the Islanders in the first round, guess what? They're not getting out of the first round. I can't see this team beating the Islanders in seven because the Islanders have come back on the Flyers too many times. That is like that's the that's the epitome of a character team. It are the Islanders. They uh, they won back to back games last week. One was against the Capitals right after the Flyers beat them, and then they then they beat the Flyers. So. They 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 can they're more tested than the Flyers, especially with their uh, sweep against the Penguins last season. So they're more battle tested. They would make me a little bit nervous. Like, okay, that would be a really tough series. Tampa well, thankfully, does not scare me. Well, thankfully, they probably won't play the Islanders in the first round with how competitive this is getting. Unless the Islanders go on a serious run 
or the Flyers do as well. They're not going to face each other unless, again, how this ridiculous seeding is in the playoffs, they won't face each other unless they're in two, two, two or three seed. I don't see that happening because Pittsburgh's too good right now, obviously, and then it's just a battle between Flyers, Columbus, and the Islanders on who gets that third spot in the Metropolitan. But I get your point. Like, it's the way the Islanders play hockey right now, it's not anything that the Flyers can compete with right now because of how they play their hockey. Yeah, it, it's because they, they're tough defensively and they have guys who can put the puck in it. You know, a lot of people thought that team was going to fall off the map when John Tavares left. They've been better since John Tavares left. And T- Toronto, the team that signed up, has not been playing up to expectations. Now, given Toronto has 70 points, they're in third in the Atlantic, but there's not – Florida's four points behind them. So uh, that's going to be another interesting finish. Toronto, I'll tell you what. We talked about it a couple episodes back about William Nylander being available. I don't know if they're going to be willing to maybe do a move right now, but, you know, he might be there to take because they're going to be in salary cap hell after this season. I believe, again, as I said, the Flyers have the character on this team to be able to go make this run. I think that Giroux and Voracek are starting to realize they're in their twilight years here, and you're starting to see a little more out of them. I mean, even even Jake, I've seen a little bit more out of him lately. So it's something where they have it in their minds about they really have something here. But I go back to what I said a couple minutes ago about not having the weapons to be able to do it. We talk about Carter Hart, Carter Hart being the backstop. Of course, your goaltender's got to be your best player in the playoffs all the time. I just get a little concerned because even with Nolan Patrick back, I don't think they just have enough offensive punch to really, how should I say, not beat these teams, but I don't. It, it would, I would feel more comfortable if they added another piece here and a little bit more scoring on the wing. I would like to see something like that. And I think that losing Oscar Lindblom is still being felt a little bit. They've kept place. Other guys have been contributing, but I think they need the skill set there. And I think that's what's missing. I'm hoping because Montreal's not really in the mix at this point. Uh, they're you know they're they're eight points out of a playoff spot. There's a lot of time left. I, I said it last week. I really hope Ilya Kovalchuk. I would like to see that move here. You know, you might give up a little bit there, but you won't give up anything massive because of his of his um, of his contract size. You're not going to give up a huge prospect for him. You're going to give something up, maybe a draft pick. I think he would have an immediate impact to be able to help the team out a bit. I think weapon wise, there just isn't enough punch for me to feel comfortable going into the playoffs now it doesn't take away the fact of what everything I've just said I think that if you still you get them in a series against Tampa Bay they're winning in seven Boston Flyers win in seven I just think they would outgrind these teams Boston's gonna be a little tired after going on that run last season to the Stanley Cup final that that has an effect look at Washington the year before they won the cup they were asked in the first round by Carolina the Flyers remind me a lot about how Carolina was last season Tampa Tampa I, I think they would get worn down I just I, I don't see enough out of Tampa I see their flashiness and their scoring I don't see enough out of Tampa of their adversity handling to be able to go on a run there well I I go the other way I think because of what happened with Tampa last year getting swept uh in the first round and not after a president's trophy and getting the most points in the in the regular season, I think they have a chip on their shoulder and they are going to be a bulldozer, at least in that first round. I think whoever they face in that first round really might be getting swept, even if it's the Flyers. I would not be shocked if by mid-April, 
the Flyers have been go against Tampa Bay and they've been swept or they lose in five I think Tampa has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder despite their play I think they're weight I think they're um similar to the NBA in terms of teams that are like oh we're just playing for the postseason because we know we we have those skills I think Tampa Bay has a little bit of that factor in it they're just playing to get into the postseason that's why they're kind of letting ball like they're right they're within three points of Boston right now but I don't think it will be the end of the world for them if they have to play the three the third team in the Atlantic to whoever that ends up being rather than being the one seed and the quote-unquote president's trophy I think Tampa just wants to get in the playoffs and then bulldoze whoever they can well, they would. They would bulldoze Toronto in the first round, no question about it. Toronto does not match up well against Tampa. And Toronto, although they can outscore teams, again, their defense is way too weak to be able to handle Tampa's offense. Florida, kind of the same thing, even though they played against Bobrovsky last season. If, if Florida is able to squeak in as the third seed somehow and up the, you know, get over Toronto, um, that's a possibility there. Carolina, I think, could farewell against Tampa Bay but yet again their goaltending's been a little shoddy this year this is why they're in the spot they're in right now I mean Tampa they you're I think you're right if Tampa if the Flyers play Tampa in the first round it would give them a tough matchup but I still think the Flyers won win in seven games I think over other teams though because I think the Flyers have a little more be able to grind games out against a team like Tampa more than so that Toronto could or you know a, a great matchup would be really Tampa versus Columbus again. I would love to see that one more time. That would be that would be fun because it would be different. Than it, it would be different from last year, but that would be in the back of their mind. And Tampa kind of reminds me of the Washington teams about ten years ago when they were winning Presidents trophies and they were the best team in the regular season. And you get them in the playoffs, they just couldn't meet expectations. I just I'm never sold on a Presidents trophy team because what you do in the regular season doesn't mean a thing, and we've seen that year in and year out. So as I mentioned, I look at. Any team in the Eastern Conference that I see, Washington, Flyers can beat them, Pittsburgh, whip their ass. The Islanders are the only one that really give me trouble because I've seen it where the Islanders are just the same type of team the Flyers are. They grind it out, and they would just have a little edge over the Flyers. Boston, the record says a lot where they've only lost the reg- it's 11, 11 games this season as far as the re- you know and regulation, but they've dropped 12 games in overtime or a shootout. So you get that team to an extra session, that's right there already in the back of their minds. There's no team besides the Islanders that I don't think this team can beat, and that's without adding a piece. They add a piece here near the deadline, not named Nolan Patrick, and they're able to get something there on the cheap, not go out and get like a J.P. Bajo who's going to cost the world, even though he's a rental. I think this team has a realistic shot if they're able to keep pace and stay in this position they're in right now. And I think there's also the factor of selling the team tomorrow for today. I think because Chuck Fletcher comes from outside of the system, he's not a Paul Holmgren, he's not any of those guys, I think that's also a factor of why he's sitting on waiting for the trade. I I wouldn't be shocked. I think the trade deadline, obviously it's Monday the 24th. I think it's at like 4 p.m. or 3 p.m. That's usually how these things go. I would not be shocked if we don't hear the Flyers' name in a solidified trade. We'll hear them in rumors throughout the day, no doubt. I have no doubt about that. I would not be shocked if we did not hear the Flyers have made a trade until like 255 or 355, whenever that trade deadline ends, because Chuck is not going to be selling first round picks, second round picks, third round picks, unless it's someone that is a big name and is under contract for the foreseeable future. And that is a dime. That is, I almost said dime a dozen. That's not a dime a dozen. That it, 
Right. It, it is a diamond in the rough to find for sure. Like, I, I really think, going back to how I started this pod, they are banking on Nolan Patrick just to open up the space for the guy, likes of Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek. JVR has gotten hot. The, the scoring is coming, and I talked about it our, on our last pod about how they're missing an offensive piece I think that is Nolan Patrick, in my opinion, and I think A.V. and Chuck Fletcher are also leaning towards that. I think, especially because they keep saying that they are a playoff team and they're not going to sell tomorrow for today because they're not, chances are they're not winning the cup. As much as you want them to to, uh, make a run. Whoa, 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 whoa. I never said they were going to win the cup. No, no, no. Make a run. Make a run. Make a run. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Look, if the cards fall right, absolutely. If they play Washington in the first round, they would beat Washington in the first round in seven games. I've seen enough where they've beaten them enough this season where it's like, okay, they know how to play against them. They have Matt Niskin on their side who has familiarity with that team. Would you rather have Magnus get in or Ratko Gudis? Like, I mean, that was a great move for them, for the Flyers. I think that actually would help them. They would beat Pittsburgh. I'm telling you they would beat Tampa. I'm telling you that team would beat Tampa. Don't care about the regular season. And you made a great point right there, too. I never said they were going to win the Stanley Cup. I said they have an opportunity to go on a run here. They have the character to do it. I'm glad you brought up Fletcher, though, because, yes, that is the move they would want to make is something where they're picking up a guy with term who can help them for a few seasons here. That's absolutely what they would do. Nothing else. If they go out and get a rental, that would, that would be the dumbest move. But I don't think that's going to happen because that's not how this team is constructed. The bigger thing I think that people might be missing out of this is that what I see out of Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vigneault is this. Is that okay? They might very well be banking on Patrick and that might be 100% true and here's why they might look at it and say okay let's see what we can do with this core this season and then make our moves for next season that could be it it could be very much just we're going to see what we have and see how far these guys can take us and then we'll make adjustments in the season in, in the offseason they might not be like the Holmgrens and the and and um and the Holmgren of the past and the Bobby Clark of the past where, you know what, we're going to make a move at the deadline just because it's the deadline and we need to make a move. And and I've seen that a lot of times before. Uh, the only time I didn't really see it was 2004 where they geared up and got a lot of defense and they all got hurt, where they basically sold the team before the lockout. The whole idea is, though, is that they might, they might be in an area where Vigneault probably thinks, yeah, we have what it takes to be able to take it. Fletcher might be, you know what, yeah, we might have what it takes here already to be able to get the job done. But also they could be looking at it and say, okay, well, we probably could use more offense. Fletcher's probably thinking the same thing. The idea is that it might not be something that they need to do now, but know that it's something they need to address. You mentioned last week, and I'm going to call you out on this because you said last week, like, oh, well, Nolan Patrick might be the missing piece. No, last week you were saying, where's the offense? Where's the yeah. offense, Scott? Where's it at? I told you there's no flash. The offense is coming. The point I'm making is that they're still missing a piece there. Whether it's a top six player, maybe even a bottom six player. There, there's there's got to be someone out there and available that if a team is willing to kick the tires and feel like, okay, this might help us, they might be out of the race. There really is no team out of the rest of race east or west besides like New Jersey, Ottawa, and Detroit. So you're, Buffalo is not going to make a move. They're in the thick of it. The Rangers aren't going to make a move or trade in a division. So – You'd have to go out west. And out west, who's really out of it? Really? Just San Jose, Anaheim, and Los Angeles. Everybody else is still in the rush of it. So the whole point is 
is that I think that teams might be looking at this and saying that it's, there's too much parity right now for anybody to make a move, and we could be heading also for a big flub of a deadline day. Yeah, I would not be shocked. But really, we talked about playoff runs. We talked about this. None of it matters unless they win the games that are presented to them, especially this week. They have Columbus on on a home-and-home home here starting tomorrow night uh, in South Philly. Then they take a n- night off, and then they're back in it against Columbus on the 20th, and then wrapping up the week against Winnipeg in Winnipeg uh, – or, excuse me, in F- Philadelphia. I'm feeling really confident. What are your What are your point predictions? Six points this week. I, well, hang on. Before I go back, let's just put it this way. I retract my statement. There are six points available. <laughs> Excuse me. I, I, I keep call, having to turn off my mic and coughing because my son was very nice to me and gave me a, a chest cold. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, share the love. Yeah, he really shared it with me. Thanks, buddy. Anyway, um, here's where I'm at with this week is that while we're talking about the Flyers being important, this, this is an important week for them. It's the same thing for Columbus. And Columbus has already been dealt a bad hand because they lost their star defenseman, Seth Jones, for eight to ten weeks with an injury. That's a big problem for them. That happened what, a little over a week ago, and they've lost five straight. So he's he's that big of a piece. They can't replace that production there. I don't want to say they're going to slide because John Tortorella has proven time and time again to take this team in Columbus, who really lost a lot of pieces last offseason, Lost their starting goaltender, lost Matthew Shane, lost Artem Anisimov, lost some of all their offense, and yet they have more points on the Flyers. So he's going to be able to find something to get something going. I'm hoping, I should say this, if they get six points this week, that's exactly what they need. But I'm okay if they pick up four. Anything less than four, three, two, can't have one or zero. They got to have a minimum of three. I, even that to me is a disappointment. They've got to win two games here this week. I don't care if they drop one to Winnipeg, even though the away team against when the Flyers play the Jets has not won since 2015. Winnipeg hasn't won here since 2013. The whole thing is, is that they have to beat Columbus. They have to get those points. Those points are so valuable. That is a basically an eight-point swing. If the Flyers pick up, four points here they're at 75 points they be ahead of the islanders and they'd be knocking on pittsburgh's door depending on what they do this week so to say that this is huge and be able to jump up in the standings leapfrog a team almost two teams and really put a hurting on columbus's chances you can't ask for anything more and it has how tight as the metro is this year this is the time now as we're heading we're halfway through February and almost heading into March that those points are necessary. So to me, you got to get four points from Columbus. And then Saturday, if you get two, great. If, if you don't, okay, I'm, I'm going to give a little leeway there because it's, it's a Western Conference opponent. Not saying those points aren't important, but the key here to this week is Columbus. They've got to get four points from them. They're getting six points, Scott. Uh, Is that that simple for you? I think this team is – like, yes, the Tampa Bay loss is is a tough one because of these slow first period starts, but they had a great win against the Capitals earlier uh, in the week, a a couple weeks ago, 7-2, and just completely crushed the Capitals in Washington. They have 
evidently figured out Bobrovsky. They swept the, the Panthers this week in a home-and-home. Home. And they have not lost to the, the Columbus Blue Jackets this year yet. They won 7-4, and they won in overtime, uh, I think back in November was the last time they played them. Obviously, these things have changed because it's February now, but this team knows how to play Columbus, I think. Yes, Tortorella is one of the best coaches. He gets his team going. I think this team is just flying high. You have two of the next three at home, including one away, or including the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think this team comes away with six points and starts solidifying themselves as a playoff team, especially because after Winnipeg, and we'll talk about it on, the, on our next podcast with a recap of the trade deadline and such, they play San Jose, guaranteed that's a loss. Because no matter what this this week does, they they'll win all six. They'll get all six points that they need. Then they'll lose to San Jose, and then they'll do a home and home with the Rangers. They're winning all six points. And that Ranger that Ranger contest is going to be is going to be huge, uh, because right now with the Rangers, uh, they're they're not really in a playoff spot. They're contending. I don't think they're good enough to be able to get in. Uh, but they're they're getting. Excellent, excellent, excellent goaltending right now. Uh, it's not actually from uh, Lundqvist either. It's from Igor Shershkin, and he's he's been named the starter. He's six and one with a nine four one save percentage and a two point one eight goals against. And played, and, and it's amazing what this kid has done so far. He's uh, he's upstood. Uh, basically, their coach said that he is the starter for now, and so he's just going to be going on a run here. So it, it, that, those are ones you're going to have to pick up points as well, and that's going to be hard to do, but. I don't mean to digress. Look, it's great that you think they're going to get six points here. Problem is, too, is that don't look at it from just the Flyers' point of view. Look at it what Columbus has done so far. They've dropped five straight. They've dropped five straight. You really expect them to lose just two roll, roll over and get two losses easily like that? They're going to battle them. So it's very possible they could drop a game here, but don't be shocked if they do because Columbus is in more dire straits than the Flyers are right now. And although the Flyers, like I've said, they have the character. They can battle back. They can do these types of things. If they drop one, it's not going to be the end of the world. Do I expect them to? No. I expect them to say, you know what? There's four points here. But they, we, we know what we got to do. And they're going to go out and do it. But at the same time, with the way Columbus and how much dire straits, this is going to be just as important to them, probably even more so to them than it is for the Flyers in that perspective. They're probably taking it as, hey, we lost Seth Jones. Seth Jones is one of the best defensemen in the league, in the world. They lose him, it's a big loss, but they're desperate and they're going to fight and claw. So they need to get the four points here, and this is going to be a war. That's why I'm saying if they pick up four points here, it's huge. But if they pick up four here, I can see them probably dropping both to Winnipeg and San Jose. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked by that at all in that outcome. I'm feeling really confident on this team right now, despite the 3-3 three and three week, but those were some hell of an opponents over this past week, and it doesn't get any easier. This is probably their easiest week quote-unquote don't jinx them don't jinx them no 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 what i'm saying what i'm what i'm saying is like they're based on how this schedule works out like not after this coming week they have the rangers back-to-back then the capitals then florida again i believe like it gets crazy with how stacked this and compressed this schedule gets to have this a little bit spaced out uh tomorrow night on tuesday then thursday then saturday it's nice to have these strong opponents spread out at least then it just gets compacted even more so it's yes it's obviously a tough schedule because it's two it's all playoff teams but then at the same time to have them spaced out it's not the end of the world for the Flyers 
That's why I'm feeling confident that this is six out of six points, and then they're going to drop to San Jose. We'll talk about it more next week. Uh, We thank you for listening. As always, the trade deadline is coming up. I'm feeling really good that Nolan Patrick, I shouldn't say really good. I just think Nolan Patrick is their quote-unquote piece that they're missing. Scott, you think it's the other way. They need an offensive piece. I don't disagree. I'm not going to discourage them from making a move as long as it's not selling tomorrow. If they're trading first-round picks for a rental, uh, we have, we're going to have a serious discussion of where no, Chuck Fletcher sits on this team. You don't have to worry about that. Chuck is not going to do that. Chuck Fletcher is a smart guy. He's not going to allow that to happen. I don't think Vigneault is going to let that happen because they have enough young town in that system where, well, they could make a move if they wanted to because they have some good depth there in the system. I don't think it's something necessary to do. I think that the Flyers, if they can't find the deal they're looking for with a player with some term who's going to be able to be moved, I think the best bet would probably be to just stand pat and go with what you have, and that's probably the best thing they can do. Yeah, and I think that's what I feel like this that's exactly how this is going to end up. For Scott Weinhart, I'm Bill Kornfeld. We thank you for listening. This has been one of the best months of this podcast, this young life of this podcast. We just we just decided on a whim to start this thing and the success we've seen for this month alone has been something I am absolutely shocked by. So we thank you. If you have not already, Please like us on Facebook. Follow along. We post everything on there for podcasting. Also on Twitter, of course, we do live in-game tweeting. We have all of that good stuff along with the podcast. Rate and subscribe. The reviews are huge for how this podcast is boosted in the charts. We appreciate you listening again. For Scott Weinhardt, I'm Bill Kornfeld. We'll talk to you next week. Noah Patrick is not your savior.